This is a previously recorded episode. Tell me you love me. I need a good laugh. I'm only water. You need a good bath. Whiskey and perfume. You had a nightcap. Now how about that? I've got a new friend. A perfect stranger. He's got a bullet with your name in the chamber. I'm body organ. Rearranger. You feel my Time. Welcome to the Nooner Show with Jay Dubs and Denise Brennan Nelson. We're broadcasting live from the Podcast Detroit Studios in Rock and Royal Oak, Michigan. You can find us at podcastdetroit.com. What time is it? It's Nooner Time. Somebody bring me a mirror. And it's hump day. Happy hump day. Happy hump day. And it's Which is odd because, you know, statistically they've proven that people don't get laid as often on Wednesdays. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Dave Phillips in the house today. <laughs> Hi, Dave. Hello. Yep, because Jess is where? Where is she? Nashville? Uh, no, actually, she wound up not going uh, due to some other drama. We can talk about that offline. Oh, uh, we don't need to talk about it, yeah, but no. she's okay? Just family issues, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, bummer. She didn't get to go to Nashville. No. Uh, well, okay. Well, welcome, Dave, to your own studio. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I was just here. Oh, wait, no, I was. Yeah, you were. <laughs> You're still here. And then we have Rocky co-hosting with me again Hello. today. Hi. It's me. Yeah, well, I've been seeing a lot of you lately. I know you have. I know, Are you sick been of me hang- yet? No. Not at all. Are you Good. sick of me? Not at all. Oh, I don't know. You're starting to sound like my co-host. Though. Oh. <laughs> as soon as we got in here. Now be quiet. We need quiet time. We need quiet time. I like to read when you're not reading. No, the problem is you don't do your homework ahead of time. I so did you try lots and cram of in. I no. can talk because I already did my homework oh, okay. and I'm prepared. Yeah, okay. But anyway, we did go to uh, the grand opening of Skimphoria in Royal Oak, the Skimphoria Facial Bar last week. We yeah, went that together. Was so cool. It was really cool. We We're going to have Melanie. Yes, we got to see Melanie from uh, Guru uh, PR Firm, and we're going to have her clients on our show soon. Yeah, yeah and I'm excited because I am actually going to get some services done. So I have my appointment scheduled, so mm, must I be can nice. uh, let you know how, how it goes. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Pretty excited. <laughs> well, and then this Saturday, Denise Brennan Nelson is having a meet and greet in yep. uh, Howell, Michigan at the Uptown Cafe for her new book release, Millie and the Moon. Yeah, and that's so from cute. 10 to 12. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I get to see her Saturday. I'm coming with You're you. coming with yeah. me. Cool. So we're hanging out again. So we're <laughs> hanging out again this weekend. And then next weekend, the, the D-Man Foundation yep. is um, having their Hollywood Nights on Friday night, which yep. is a great charity event. Um, and then also that same night, uh, Rocky is performing with Georgia Need and the, the law-abiding law citizens, citizens yep. down at the Hard Rock. Cafe yep. in Detroit. Yep, I'm really excited. Yeah, about what that, time so. is that? Um, I start playing. Let me see here. Um, the bands. I think they start around eight, but I start at nine, and I'm uh, direct support for George and Need in the Lawbody. Oh, are Citizens. you? Yep. So I'm really excited. Oh, cool. So. I am. It is a costume thing, which it is a costume. Yeah, thing. I'm not a Halloween person. Oh, I'm so. not either. I don't like Halloween. Yeah, 
I think I, it'll be interesting. I'm, I I don't know if I'm going to dress up or not. Uh, so okay. we'll see. Well, anyway, is it an all ages or you don't know I yet? don't know if it's all ages. Okay. I'll have to find and there's a rumor details. that you might be doing a um, collaboration with yeah, him? Yeah, I might be doing something. So with his band? or yep. I might be sitting in with them. May oh, or may not be. I cool. Okay. And I know you and John Paul have a lot going on. You guys are going yeah. to Nashville pretty soon. Yeah. And then, Nashville, um, and then New York or Chicago. Chicago? Yep. For big so. photo shoot. Oh, yeah. Are you going to do your Zoolander face? That's the only way I can get through a photo shoot. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. That's <laughs> why they to, never use the pictures. That's why they have to keep redoing them with you. It's not funny. It costs know, money. It's my inspiration. Yeah. Zoolander. Okay. That's what you need. You need the outtake reel. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You, need, you need those shots for the Facebook page yeah, and that kind of go. stuff. For the, yeah, the behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah, behind the scenes. I take terrible photos. I don't know. No, you yeah, I, do. Yeah, you look horrible I, in I, every photo I've ever seen. I sure, yeah. I can't you do stand not take photo shoots or anything. I swear. If you, Friends is always my favorite reference when I talk about photo shoots because there's an episode of Friends when Chandler has to do a photo shoot for their wedding and it is me 100% every time I get in front of a camera I can I just am awkward and um, like hands I don't know you what to always do with look them. fabulous so <laughs> oh, anyway thanks, but yeah I have exciting news what my favorite place in the entire world is getting bigger so um, in the Detroit Free Press the Motown announced that they're doing a $50 million expansion, which I am wow. so excited about. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's um, it's going to be, they said, uh, a 50,000 square foot addition will be put on. Wow. Yeah. And I did hear that um, they were going to have a recording studio in it, too. You know, I was wondering if they would, because I thought, oh, my gosh, that would yeah. be so awesome if I they wonder did. who. I wonder if the recording studio will be somebody local or, because Motown still exists yeah. In California. L- yeah. Yeah. In LA. So. Yeah. The, I, I wondered that same thing when I read the article if they were mm-hmm. going to do some sort of. Um, but I know they're making it like a big educational thing and um, really trying to promote music education. And so I wonder if it'll be tied in with one of the schools. That's we'll have awesome. to find out because I would die to record there. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I was concerned about because I, I did hear a little bit about it mm-hmm. was was it going to change the original? Hitsville House, and they said no, it's not. Well, and they're expanding. They're taking back over the houses that they, had they are yeah, that they had already started buying, um, buying the them back. Yeah, buying them back. So the original houses, like yeah. where they had the artist development, yep. and that they had said they were expanding into those other houses. Really? Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. So it's really going to be Motown, Motown yeah. again. Well, and they're That's also exciting. bringing in contemporary. So it's not going to be strictly Motown. They're going to do a lot of contemporary music, and so it's just going to be a big music museum. So. That's awesome. And I heard they're going to have a theater in there, too. Yep, I did hear that as well. Wow. Yeah, I'm, pretty, I'm excited. It's That's like really exciting. <laughs> if you have not Motown been to Hitsville, you have to places. go. I know. Yeah. I I love that museum. Yeah, it's I think amazing. You don't have to be a musician to appreciate it either. Yeah. Everything no, that incredible. happened back in the day with that. But, you know, what's really cool about that is combine that with dime and mm-hmm. what they're doing and then combine it with brian pastoria and howard hertz and, yeah. and what they're creating with yeah. the um detroit music detroit, hall of fame yeah detroit music hall mm-hmm. of fame so yeah it is yeah, going to end up being a music city howard hertz put that in the detroit the article um he said you know that it will, it will create detroit to be a world-class music city which i thought was really cool and it should be yeah well, look so. at all the great we're, we're it's Motown and Detroit Rock City and all the great people that musicians that came out of here and are still coming out of here yeah. I'm excited yeah <laughs> that's awesome news um, anyway well I was going to talk about real quick have you heard of Group Muse no real quick um, they're out of New York and it's a young guy that uh, was turned on to classical music in oh, cool. um, in college and he realized that 
it was so cool, but young people don't like going to symphonies because yeah. it's, first of all, it's pricey, it's so formal, it's stuffy and everything yeah. else. So he started this group, Muse. And what it is is he's, he has over 1,200 young classical musicians that work for him now, and they get hired to go perform classical music at your home. What? So you can hire them, like, to come, you know, like, you, you can ask for two or four, whatever it is you're wow. looking for. Yeah, and they do two 25-minute sets. And wow. the first one, the first set has to be the original classical music. Mm-hmm. And then the other 25 minutes, they can rearrange rock songs, like a Guns wow. N' Roses How song. how cool is that? Yeah, it's really cool. That is really cool. When is that coming to Detroit? Do we know? Well, it's um, it's happening. They have like 20 shows a week right now, wow. 20 a week between New York, Boston, and Seattle. Wow, so, how cool is yeah, that? Yeah, it's just, it's pretty new. That is very, very but cool. I'll have to check that his, out. His goal is really to um, get young people to appreciate classic yeah. classical music. Well, I'm classically trained, so it's, right. I, I've always had Have a, you gone to a symphony? I've never, uh, actually, I shouldn't say that. Yes, I have. It's been a while. And then mm-hmm. my friend Chris, Chris Ferzi, he, yeah. he's a, we he create scoring for all sorts of symphonies. And I've been there and watched him work while he's creating it. It's insane watching him work. It's incredible. Oh, yeah, we're going to have him on the show, yeah, too. We definitely well, the other cool thing is that, you know, they are concerned about um, classical music because the average age of people that do go, uh, to watch mm-hmm. these shows are the average age is 65 years old so it's mm-hmm. like they need to get new blood in there yeah. but they're saying it's going to eventually be different with what this guy's doing That's you won't so cool. you won't wear a, a formal suit you'll go yeah. in with flannel shirts and drink craft beer yeah. That's what they're saying. <laughs> but you'll keep that music alive yeah. which is great so that is great anyway we have some exciting news today exciting an exciting news. guest here we do have an exciting besides guest. dave phillips I'm hardly exciting. <laughs> You're like, do I get to ring the bell? Yes, you do. It's our favorite segment. Mm-hmm. All right. So this segment is what's the wish, what's the way, and what's in the way. This segment is to de- is designed to showcase the stories of talented and gutsy individuals who had a wish and found a way to make it happen. They set goals, overcame obstacles, and turned setbacks into comebacks. Their stories are unique, interesting, and most of all, inspiring. Mm, this one's very inspiring. So. How do you go from starting a business to growing it so it becomes one of the largest financial service companies in the nation? Our guest today did just that. With the unique business philosophy of family first, Richard David James has proven that taking care of your employees will lead to taking care of your clients. With that company culture coupled with an expertise in financial concepts and strategies, Financial Services of America has become a leader in money management in a one-stop shop for more than 9,000 clients. 9,000. Can you imagine having 9,000 clients at oh our pizzeria? Huh? Um, really and not only though. that, but for the past five years, they've been ranked as one of the top workplaces in Michigan. Here to share his story, founder and president of Financial Services of America is Richard David James, along with Senior Executive Vice President Michael Wallace. Welcome to the Nooner Show, guys. Good morning. Thank you. Yay! Where's our applause? <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, so Financial Services of America has been in business for over 30 years. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Every day of 1980. That's amazing because the life cycle of a business in the U.S. is between like 10 and 15 years before it either fails or merges or is bought out or whatever. So to stay in business for over 30 years and to keep going as strong as you guys are going is pretty amazing. Um, 
So I want you to go back to the beginning and reminisce a little and take us back to how you got started. First of all, how'd you even get into this? It's going to sound strange, but I wanted to wear a tie. (laughs) Okay. I love that. My brother, Kerry, was an insurance agent. He got to wear a tie. And at that time, I was a laborer. And it didn't fit my personality at all. And our insurance industry at that time afforded the opportunity to train people and to give them the opportunity to excel. So it was perfect for me. On top of that... Was it old saying? I just like people, so it was a perfect interest for industry for me to get into. It was willing to train me, and I get to use my personality, not my back, to make a living. And it was uh, back then. It was more of a just really building relationships, mm-hmm. and learning how to communicate properly, and more importantly, getting yourself in a position that you could understand what the client's goals were, and then put a plan together. That was one of my things I really enjoyed is putting a plan together to reach the objective for that client. That's okay. what got me into business. So, it, and were you working for somebody else then at that time? At that time, I worked for my brother, Kerry. Oh, okay. Is I, he working for you now? I Well, he did for <laughs> about four years. I bought the company from Kerry. And, uh, oh, so it was his company. It was his original company, yes. Okay. Uh, well, I should say that. I merged his company into my company at that time. So it was uh, his company. I don't remember the name of it. It's been so long. <laughs> so, but he, he had a client base and I took over. Okay. to service. So it worked out very well. Wow. So you just... So you were pretty young then when you got into that. I started and got my license when I was 19 years old. Wow. So and then you just learned it? Learned on-hands training by my brother. And how long after did you merge the About business? four years after that. Wow, really? Yeah. Well, my brother's training was uh, nothing compared to what ours is today. He put you in a car, drove you to the end of a block, and told you to knock all the doors on that block. And wow. He sat at the end of the block waiting for you to see how you did. That was, no that, kidding. That was my training. It was uh, very different, but it was very important. And I learned very quickly how to meet people and get to feel comfortable with them. So it was looked bad, different, but it worked. Well, and you probably also, doing it that way, learned um, how to keep going when the doors get slammed shut. Well, back then, my goal was to get 4% of the people that I met to say be interested in me. So that means 96% of the time, someone said no to me or just shut their door. So you learn very, very quickly that not to take it personal. Mm-hmm. They weren't saying no to you. They were just saying no to that moment or what the information you're receiving and giving them. So... Through the years, we learned how to communicate better, so our results would go from 4% to now it's about 63% of the time when we meet the consumer, they'll become a client of our organization. Wow. wow. So dramatic improvement for 30 years ago. Wow. That's unbelievable. So you took it over and um, just four years into it, and then how did it get to this point where you're this big, where you have over 9,000 clients, and you offer so many different services? Um, like the simple answer is that when we made a decision that we wanted to become and go into the financial planning industry, at that time we were just insurance agents and there was really no term as financial services. So we decided that our clients, uh, where we wanted to service was the middle class because it wasn't being serviced properly. More importantly, we wanted to service the elderly. They're the ones who are no longer going to have the opportunity to generate any revenue. So their decisions were pretty well final. Mm-hmm. And most people were making decisions with no knowledge. So we thought it was a big problem. We thought if we would solve that problem, we'd build our company. To this day, our average client, as you brought up earlier, is 67 years old. Uh, mm-hmm. So we are definitely taking care of the people we feel have the biggest problems with the least amount of information. So we give that information to them. Our process today is really educational. At one time, it was really a marketing company. Today, we're more far more of an education company than we were in the beginning. And how do you educate people? Um, 
depends on the what, what stage they're in their life. Say, so if we have to bring accountants in, or if we have to bring attorneys in, or if to be CPAs in to find out what's going on and uncover their concern for them, mm-hmm. and then show them how to have a solution for that concern. Uh, most people were never formally trained on capital. Right? So we went through school, just like all of us in this room. We didn't have any classes that teach us how to make money with our money. Right. We were taught to go get a job. Right? And if we did well, we get a promotion in that job, we make more money. But no one really told us how to take the dollar we earned and make that money turn into more money for our families. Right. So that's really what we do. We're going to teach the client where you're at today, what we can do in the next five to ten years for your family financially and your state planning proper and your insurance risk to make sure that they make an intelligent decisions lower their cost, increase their return, and minimize their risk are really the three bases of what we're trying to do for our client. So then how, like at what age, well, for example, when I think of, you know, financial planning, I think it's a service that only somebody with money needs to have. And that's the total... Dumb? um, is that what you want to say? Financial services for dummies. <laughs> well, it's what the consumer thinks, and that's the problem. Yeah. Financial planning was originally made for the rich. There's no question because the tax bracket in this country, they wanted to lower the tax bracket. But the facts are, you and I have the same problems if someone has $100 million. It's just our number is different. We still mm-hmm. got to put ourselves in a position we can take care of our bills. More importantly, prepare for our future. Someday, you're going to retire. And how much money mm, do we need? The way I'm going, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to introduce you to financial service. America yeah. Okay. Okay. I might be there after the show, but go um, ahead. But simply is if we put a plan together, just like you have a plan here today, mm-hmm. if you put a plan together, you'll follow it. Mm-hmm. Most people just don't have a plan. So when we sit down with them, we put a plan together for them to show them what we can do. And it depends on their income and where the position are. But sometimes we're working with people just to get them out of debt. So then they have an opportunity to save money. Then we mm. meet people that already have capital, but they've never been formally put together, put a plan to show them how to make more money with their money. So it, as a company, um, our goal is to get an earn a client and then keep that client. So it doesn't matter what stage they're at. You can be accumulating it, maintaining it, or trying to distribute it. In whatever stage you're at, our goal is to be able to service you and educate you on how to prepare for the next step. Mm. Right? So really, like, I mean, any age. It's not. It's not about retirement. Then it's no. you know, and it, somebody that's just getting a job, going out in the workforce of whatever. If they're in high school, right? Or I mean, a broke you, musician or, or broke musician, <laughs> um, I don't a broke know. mom's musician, <laughs> right? Um, but whatever age, or you know, somebody who starts a new job after college, um, they should go in and meet with you, right? Oh, yeah. At any stage in your life, if someone asks you if you want to have more money, what's the answer? Um, yeah. Okay. So it doesn't matter what stage you're in life. We want to position ourselves to be better off wealth-wise, health-wise, all that. Mm-hmm. So when you sit down with someone, your goal is to find out what stage they're at. Most people, unfortunately in our country, are in the debt stage. Right. Uh, but that doesn't mean they want to stay there. Right. And if they don't be taught how properly to manage the money they do earn, they'll always stay in debt and someone else always determine what they're worth. So our goal is to teach her how to set aside dollars. And it's pretty simple. So even someone's young as she, and she there's no way in the world she can't tell me that she couldn't save a dollar a day. I know she can. All right? So that's $365 a year. It's only a beginning. That's not right. where you want to be, but we got to start a habit. Right. You're going to be a spender or a saver. Those mm-hmm. are your choices. Most people, unfortunately, are spenders. Right. Even as a broke musician, <laughs> you can save a dollar. So if we get that habit created... Over time, you'll find out that your greed will come into play, and you'll say, well, gosh, I could really do $2 a day. 
oh, I can do five dollars a day. Right. And as time goes on, and as she becomes more successful, and I'm a compliment to you, you are beautiful, and there's no way in the world you take a bad picture. <laughs> uh, simply is that you'll have the opportunity to accumulate wealth, and as she makes more dollars, she'll be able to make more decisions to be better investments, to have opportunity to participate with more returns, and have a secure future for herself. Wow. Hey, I want to know how you learned how to do all that because to me, I'm you know I can save and but it's not really something I think I thought about ever until now you know it's like I'm trying to get through college and you know I've been trying to not take out student loans and all this stuff so it's like like how did you learn to to do that because to me I'm like oh yeah the shirt's cute okay like it's you know what I mean I was very lucky um by the time I was 11 years old I was making almost as much money as my parents were I've always been involved in some activity to generate capital. What were you doing at 11 years old? Um, I had two paper routes. I stuffed four lo- lo- back then was lozenges. You probably heard of that story because mm-hmm. it was a wave when I was a young man. They're now quick picks. I then started a little business. It's going to sound really crazy. We were garbage pickers. Me and a gentleman who's, matter of fact, been with me for, well, 30 years. We go out and pick garbage. We then would turn around and have garage sales. Wow. Really? So hey, there's a whole show on AMC about that now. <laughs> yeah. You're just ahead of your time. Yeah. <laughs> so, one man's treasure and is another man's junk. So we just found And you out. were doing that at 11 years old. Wow. The coolest thing, my stepfather was a baker. And he would bake a cake once a month for me. And I would go out and sell tickets to people and have a raffle. And I'd raffle the ticket, the cake off. Oh. I'd make $150 a week raffling off a cake. I'd walk wow. up to Wasn't the door. that illegal? No. It today, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it was not that good. So it was just, you know, just being creative with what's available to you. And wow. I came from a very, very, very poor family. Um, so it was just how it was I going to position myself to have opportunity. I was 16 years old. One of the cool things, Michael will probably remember this. I would go down to Gratiot Avenue and pass off flyers, and I'd run out a hall, and we'd have a party. We have four or five hundred kids show up to a party, and back then you wouldn't get in trouble. You would have a hall would give you a rent their space to you, and wow. we'd have four or five hundred people show up and charge them five dollars a person and have a party for four or five hours. And at one time, we had about three thousand names on our mailing list and our, for kids to come to our parties. Wow. Oh my god! Stupid fun police! <laughs> All those days are long gone. Wow. The, the, by the coolest, we had a beach party in February. A guy let us rent his hall out and put three inches of sand in a pool up in his hall. Oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> and you were 16 doing 16, this? I was 16 oh when I did that gosh. one. So it's always um, positioning myself. How do I help people provide a service? get an opportunity to make capital. And, and then, live yeah. the life of an 80s movie. And, <laughs> and his personality, have yeah. the fun that he has, <laughs> I did as a young man. <laughs> Unfortunately, I guess, got married and all that changed. We're now more settled down, but they, it was always trying to learn. Wow. Um, so answer your, your question was, um, Henry Ford said, never hire anyone dumber than you. And that has been the key to my success. Wow. We had Michael sitting beside me, that. who was a thousand times smarter than me. But me and Michael been together for? 25 years. 25 years. Wow. So to have a person be with you for 25 years right. in my industry is unheard of. And wow. I, so it's right. building a relationship and, more importantly, putting good people around you. Right. Now. right. Yeah. So well, let me ask you something about that because, obviously, the success of the company is also based on the, the talent yes. you bring in. So how do you, how do you identify talent? Like, how did you know that Michael was going to – you know, end up being senior executive. Like, what did he have? Well, back then, he breathed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, so 25 years ago, uh-huh. it was so different than it is today. When it, Today is so 
costly to hire an employee and bring them on and make them succeed. So it's a far different process today than it was when I hired Michael. But Michael, I met at a college I gave a speech at. And Michael wanted to come and meet me, so he came and met me. I didn't even let Michael take any time off. I made him go to work, I think, two weeks after you graduated. That's great. The Monday after I graduated. I wanted to take a week or two off. The job may not be there. (laughs) Let me ask you something, Michael. What made you want to work for Richard right away? I mean, what did you hear in the speech that you said, this is where I want to be? You know, I guess back then, kind of like what he was saying, is a little different. I graduated from college, mm-hmm. and I was a pre-engineering degree in the beginning, and I uh, got to my third or fourth level of, of math, and I was like, this is not fun for me anymore, <laughs> or calculus seven, whatever it was. And so um, then I got a general business. I went into general business, and I still, when I graduated, didn't know what I wanted to do when I grow up. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, so, you know, I, want, I had a communications emphasis, so I knew I wanted to, to, to talk with people or be public relations or something. And so um, when I did hear uh, uh, at that point, you know, obviously we're just looking for a job at first. Mm-hmm. But what attracted me to, to Richard was the message, you know, the positivity, a lot of stuff that I believed in, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff I heard from my dad mm-hmm. um, growing up, um, work hard and, um, you know, be ethical and make sure that you are doing what's right. Um, but also, you know, the message was pretty clear to me was I can make money by helping other people. I was mm. like, that was a really easy decision for me. Yeah. If I can make a living by helping others. Right. So um, that's probably one of the things that uh, led me to the initial decision besides just wanting to make money because I was in student debt. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, and obviously it's worked out quite yeah. well for you. Yes. Um, and I know you speak very highly of Richard. That was one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on the show. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, the family first philosophy because um, that is pretty unique. And I, I read something that you said. Um, it, it was in a different interview, but you said everyone truly enjoys being part of something bigger than themselves. If your people grow, you grow. It's as simple as that. And I thought it is as simple as that, but yet it's pretty rare that companies have that kind of because it has to start at the top and if the top if the person that owns the company or the president of the company does not have that philosophy then it's very difficult you know as you go down the line that that people believe in family first let's start off with a simple process you can never raise morale you can only filter down oh that's good so as a I'm going to say leader. I don't like calling myself the president or the boss of the company. I don't see myself in that light. Uh, but as a leader of the group of individuals that choose to participate with us, if, that, if I'm not motivated and I'm not growing and I'm not participating, why should they? Mm-hmm. If you ever come to my building, hopefully you will with the recommendation. <laughs> yeah. My office sits in the middle of my building, and my office is completely windows. So it is not for me to look out on my people. It's for my people looking at me. If I'm working, so shall they. So it's a very simple philosophy. So as an organization, personal growth is the priority. If you are not growing, I am failing as your leader, period. And I choose not to fail. Mm -hmm. So the people around me, someone like Michael, who's done very, very well in his life, is still growing, still getting more licensed, still become more educated so he can provide more services. And that's just a part of the environment. And Michael obviously is at the top of the company, so it came from me to him, not to his team, and so on and so forth. Uh, But the... How it originated, and I can't even take the credit for it, 
is that I married the help. I married my wife, Joni, mm-hmm. and she worked for me for three years. And she, why I married her, she told me, I'm never having children. I'm going to be build a company. We're going to have a great future together. I said, great. Three years later, she had her first child. <laughs> I never seen her again. Oh. <laughs> she was gone. And she found out very quickly that what she thought what she wanted was yeah. not the reality, what she really, truly wanted. Right. And as we were raising our children, she said, Rich, our job should be to give the children the same opportunity your children have with all your employees. So I can't even take the credit. She made it very clear. Whatever I had the right to do, she had the right to do. Michael and every other person in that company should have that exact same right with their children. That's awesome. Wow. So it's uh, and it's a lot of people when they come in the company they don't believe the statement when I tell them in the interview process that your family's number one. Uh, they found it very very quickly. It is without question the basis of our company that Michael doesn't miss any of his children's activities. Right. right? Wow. Even though Michael's very busy and is very successful, right. he knows the priority is family. Now, there's many reasons for that. It's just not for Michael to have a good quality of life with his family. But if Michael doesn't have good quality of life with his family, he will never be mentally strong enough to be good in his business career. Right. So there's a reward to any company owner or any manager to have their people successful with their family. You have a balanced life at home, you'll have a far more balanced life at your career. Right. So it's a, everyone wins with this decision. Unfortunately, most organizations won't put the process in place to see the rewards because it is um, a learned behavior. It is, without question, a different management style. Right. Um, let's bring that up because you're, for your teacher, your student, I mean, your audience, there's a book called The One Minute Manager. Mm-hmm. It's only 70 pages long. And the whole book is an idea. If you catch your people doing things right, they'll feel good about themselves and they'll produce good results. Mm-hmm. Most managers, is only, unfortunately, the only time you see them is when you did something wrong and they come reprimand you. Right. I've been perfect 99% of the time. The time I make the mistake, that's the time that you want to come right. to me. Right. So we have the total philosophy differently. We're out searching every day to find someone doing something right. I don't care if it was picking up the piece of paper they walked by on the floor to so save the janitor the time of doing it. They should get a reward and recognize for that. It doesn't wow. matter if you went out and got a million-dollar client. It's not any more important than that person picking up that piece of paper. If you have that mindset, everyone is going to feel great about themselves. That is amazing yeah. just because I, I've not heard anybody else say that it, your level. Yeah, it was you know? funny, too, because when you told me that I was co-hosting and that we were interviewing you, I listen to podcasts like all different types. So I listen to a lot of TED Talks and um, just motivational stuff. So and I and it's always random because I always feel like whatever I'm supposed to hear in the moment is what I want coming in. I don't ever search for anything specific. So um, I was listening to TED Talks and they had a whole. It was why we work was the entire TED Talk and it was so interesting. So as soon as I heard it and then I started researching your company, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like That's- the real life. Like <laughs> this is so cool. So it was all about like exactly what you're talking about and just that people you know are motivated to work and there's so much more um you know the productivity that you get out of people is so much greater when there's more than just a paycheck involved right so it was when really, a paycheck really, cool really to- is not a motivator right no. i mean you you ask an organization of successful people they'll tell you they're not motivated by money right most people want to take ownership of what they do just like you two take ownership of this show you did mm-hmm. your homework you're mm-hmm. prepared most people you give them that opportunity they will do everything in their power to do it. If you tell them to do it, then now they're being told what to do and they won't be as committed to it. Right. There's a book called Good to Great. And in this book, it basically tells you if you put the right person in the right job, they'll excel past you. So the less I do in my company, the greater my companies become. Mm-hmm. I've hired people far more talented. Let them take ownership of it. 
they have more time to be committed to it, and they excel at it. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it's really simple. Once you break it down, I mean, it's for example, for me to try to do what Michael's education was and become an engineer, <laughs> I would never succeed ever because it's mm-hmm. not my personality. Right. But to establish a relationship with someone that I'm trained myself on doing and studied mm-hmm. many, many years, I'm very good at that. So I excelled at that. So I did the right job for my personality set. Right. right? And so my job, as you asked earlier, is to find the right personality that will fit our organization mm-hmm. and that will fit what we want to do as a company. If someone just wants to make money, my firm's not for them. They won't fit oh. in. They'll feel uncomfortable. They won't learn from me because I'm going to be telling them, no, take care of the service first and the money will come to you. They're saying, no, I want to get the money and forget the service. So we just wow. never mesh with the, mm-hmm. the inside or the philosophy of the organization. So it's really, and I want to stress, it comes from the top. If your top, yeah. If your top's great, Everything else will fall into place. And more importantly, as, and as you will definitely know, when Michael's great, I'm great. Right. And, I can, right. and if you duplicate yourself, and mm-hmm. that's been without question, I'd say Michael, Michael's key or success, I've duplicated myself probably 20 times. Michael's probably dupl- dupl- duplicated himself maybe 15 times. Mm-hmm. And that talent's still in our building. Wow. So that's what makes it great. So. Who, how many interviews do people go through then to get a job with your company? It takes about a month to go through our interview process. And okay. then after that, I have to have you go get your licenses. And that's going to take another month. So, so it will be two months before we even get your opportunity to come into the training syllabus of our company. So what, what is the interview process? Very different. So first of all, when you come into our organization, you're going to take what we call a personality test. It's going to tell oh, really? us, yes, going to tell us your traits. Because again, it doesn't matter if I bring the right person in; they have everything except for that one trait that says they're going to fit my environment. They're going mm-hmm. to fail, and then I failed. What's unique about our company? The first person you meet is me. Really? Uh, yes, I am your first interview. Wow. So if I've interviewed every single So if you can get point. through that part, yeah. <laughs> and, no, it's very relaxed. It's about a 25 minute. Really, conversation. So I have some questions I'm going to ask, some things I want to know about their backgrounds and why they chose to come in the interview process. Then I give them a homework assignment, uh, 10 questions I want them to answer. I don't want them to make it up in front of me. I want them to take the time to think about it. And then I give them a presentation that we've created, and I have them go learn it. They come back and meet Kara Popko, who's a 100% smarter than me. He sits down, and they perform the presentation, and then Kara reads the 10 questions. If the 10 questions are answered what we think is right, not uh-huh. what, the, what the, they want us to think, but what we perceive would be the right answer for our company, then Carl will listen to their presentation. If their presentation has the ability to communicate properly, mm-hmm. then Carl will send them to what we call a quick start. A quick start is a one-week training syllabus that they have to go through that I get to evaluate them, but more importantly, they get to evaluate me. So they go oh. through that process and they see exactly how the training is going to work. They understand what the, how all the moving parts in our organization works. And then I meet wow. them again. And then I ask them, is this the program, the process that you want to follow for your success? Probably about 70% of the time they say yes. 30% of the time it's not for them. Okay. They, it just doesn't match the personality. Mm-hmm. Once that's done, I then bring them into another training syllabus. That's when I hire them and they're now on our payroll. But wow. they're going to go, there's 154 weeks of training already scripted. Wow. So you can ask, what will I be doing on my 36th Sunday, uh, Wednesday at 8 o'clock? I can tell you who you'll be with, what teacher you'll be with, what subject matter. 
Wow. So that's basically what Michael and the staff has done for us mm. is have a syllabus that when we're done training you, we know you're going to be extremely competent at what we do for that client and you have the mindset of what we want in our organization. Mm. I can go hire another 100 people today. It doesn't make my company better. Right. It just means I've got 100 more people in my company. Right. So that's not our goal. Uh, we are, Our goal is between 15 and 17 people a year. That's all I bring in. Mm-hmm. I mentor them for two solid years, or I'm with you every single morning for two years. So you really make wow. an investment in who you're bringing on initially, like 80% of the training goes in right in the beginning. Yes, it's it's not like a you know you're we'll we'll train you two years from now or you'll learn this. I mean, like that that's probably why the company has lasted you know over thirty years and growing. I would tell you the training vast most people in the company is why they originally came mm-hmm. and why they in the end why they stayed was the environment. I think yeah. they like me. Um, and more importantly, as Michael brought up earlier, if they do the service properly, you get compensated very well in our industry. What my father told me is this. You will, be, you will always be paid for what it takes to replace you. Nothing more, nothing less. Mm. So if it takes you five minutes to learn your job, then you're only worth five minutes of training. You'll wow. be paid for that five minutes. Right. But if it takes someone like Michael... 20 years to become as talented he is. Right. Michael's paid because there are very few of Michael on the planet. Right. 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 So in our company, we make sure we're training you to be unreplaceable. Wow. Unreplaceable. So shall be the income, but more importantly, so shall be the company. Wow. So it's, uh, it's simple. It's not easy to do. It's very difficult to duplicate yourself, uh, but that's really what we try to do inside our organization. Wow. wow. It, it, it's just amazing. Like, do you ever look back at the beginning of where you were and where you are today? Oh, yeah. Uh, we have meetings about that. <laughs> it's, um, and I don't want to say luck because I believe luck is preparation meeting opportunity. Right. right? Uh, but there is many things in your life that are just outright lucky. Odds of Michael getting out of college and coming to work with me one week later, odds of that are almost zero. Yet, 25 years later, we have a phenomenal relationship. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of luck and success. Uh, but at the same point in time, it's preparing for what you want. In our organization, every November and December, I interview every single employee again. And then I find out what they accomplished and what they want to be doing next year. And then I write an individual goal book for every single employee in the company. I then run out Andiamo's, and we have a great big breakfast served us at Andiamo's. Wow. Great, great restaurant. <laughs> um, we then go across everyone's goals in front of everyone. And wow. every goal that we've written in the last 14 years have been accomplished inside our company. Wow. Uh, so everyone, that is unbelievable. Everyone knows their part. Everyone knows what they're expected of them. And they want to participate. That's why the goal is accomplished. Boy, you really seem to um, fit like the Japanese culture of doing business, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, because I was reading that in Japan, it's they they manage or lead or whatever um their companies with a it's it's not profit driven at all it's much more the way you're describing your company it's it's more about taking care of their people they really believe in that and they have over 20,000 companies i believe that have been in business for more than 100 years mm-hmm. like didn't change ownership didn't change hands it's still the same you know, family within the same family yeah. over over a hundred years. That's so unheard of here. Unheard of here. Yeah, but it's it's the way they they think like you do. You yeah. know, so it just seems like the companies here in the U.S. are just 
I don't, I don't want to say we're doing it all wrong, but it's uh, it, it really is such a different mindset because I think sometimes companies maybe worry about employees taking advantage of that type of, you know, um, family first philosophy. And so if the employees take advantage of it, then you're going to lose money. And But most people, I mean, it's really amazing, don't. Right. right. I mean, they, they are conscious aware of the environment they get to participate with and that it's an honor and it's a privilege to be a part of it. And they wouldn't want to take advantage of it. If you would have evaluated them properly in the beginning and trained them properly through the process, that won't happen. I mean, there's... There's no doubt. Even me, I get lazy. There's there's days that I say, okay, all right, I'm gonna stay in my office. I yeah. keep myself in this room, right? So everyone has those days. Right. But most of the time, people don't do that. People really want to excel. People want to grow. People want to be great. Give them the avenue to do that. It'll right. Be pretty amazing. How quickly, people will want to participate with you. And now, I'm gonna say his name. Donald Trump said, "Never work anything small." And that's such a simple concept. Right. Because then you only attract small people. Well, if you work on something big, you'll attract dreamers. Mm-hmm. If you attract dreamers and you got doers together, it's amazing what you can accomplish in a very, very short period of time. So it's a combination of people that are dreaming, people that are doers, people that are action-oriented, and combining it all together. And it's easy now after 30 years of working on it, uh, but it paid phenomenal dividends. For the listeners, there's another book. It's uh, Think You Were Rich by Napoleon Hill. And inside this book is 16 Principles that I teach a class called The Millionaire in the Making in my company. It is a class on how people need to change how they think wow. so they have the opportunity to excel. Who do you, who do you teach? Is that for your, uh, your team or no, is that open to the public? Open, no, just um, only my employees. Oh, okay. Our team players. So inside the, the, the book, it's basically telling you right now, all of us in this room are the sum total of our thoughts. You cannot be any more or any less than that. So if you keep only your thoughts, that's the only thing you will ever have. Mm-hmm. But if we take other people's thoughts and we integrate them into our thoughts, we can change tomorrow. So even though that sounds simple, most wow. people already have a preconceived idea what tomorrow is going to be. Mm-hmm. I don't. I put a goal together and we work on that idea and many, many people work on that idea to make it become a reality. Right? Wow. Um, a couple of years ago, and I don't remind me, I'm not good at time, I had the opportunity to win an award, and the president of Pistons, what was his name, Michael? Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson oh. gave a speech, and it was spectacular. He said, all right, I'm going to tell every one of you how to pick the best business partner in the world, and you're going to hurt a dime drop on that floor. And he said, make a friend with a billionaire. <laughs> and I sat there and thought to myself, well, darn it, I don't know a billionaire, <laughs> but I could pretend that I do. And that day changed my company. Really? From that moment forward to this day, I perceive I have unlimited amount of capital. And I build my business plan around that. The capital has always flown to me. I don't have to worry about it. Put the business model together. It materializes itself every single time. And don't ask me if there's a miracle or I don't believe it is. It simply is a business plan with action taken and believing it's going to succeed and materialize itself. Wow. So it's... Uh, Sounds probably a little strange to some business owners there, but it is 100% true. If you believe it, it will come. It's your choice to believe in it and dream in it. Wow. What was the name of that book again? <laughs> Figure Were Rich by Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, gosh. I, I was just going to ask you. Do you um, – so do you guys do consulting for commercial businesses? No. Or, we are strictly no? mom okay. and pops. Okay. Again, 
it's again a different market for our industry. We service the middle class. Okay. Right? The people that are, again our perception is, and without question we backed up, they're not really serviced by the traditional industry of ours, financial planning. They want to go find the rich people and work with them. So we always believe again the bigger the problem, bigger the solution, or more service, more rewards. Mm-hmm. So we go to that segment and we service them in our opinion extremely, extremely well. You brought up earlier and I want to hit on it. We won the top workplace. Well, we've been to top 20. We just, matter of fact, we told two weeks ago, we made the top 20 again. So six out of the last seven years, our firm has been. Congratulations. Thank you. Two of the last three years, my firm has won the top workplace. Yeah, you guys were the number one spot. Yes. And now why that is, though, is in that process, they ask your employees questions on a survey. And then they take that information, and that's how they determine your rankings. Oh. Why I participate is not for the recognition. I'm allowed then to receive that data. Because sometimes your employees won't say something to you because they don't want to get offended or they like you so much. But when it's right. a piece of paper and they mail it to someone else, they can say whatever they want. Right. I then get that data. And whatever it says, I fix it. And that's been the key. So wow. seven years ago, when we first tried, I didn't even make the top 100 companies. All right? But I got all that data. There was about 17 things that were I thought were our concern. In one year... I had all 17 of those things eliminated in my company. Wow. That year, we made the top 20. Now, it took, oh, us, really? took us three more years to get to be number one, but the same process was done. Every year, I take that data, and whatever that data is, now it becomes more defined because it was mm-hmm. big problems now. Now they're smaller, but they're right. still an impact. We treat them just the same. We eliminate the problem. Opportunity now possesses itself. Mm-hmm. And so that's why that program, and anyone wants to participate, I'd recommend it. So you can get true feedback on your company, take the action, and your company become pretty unique. Wow. Wow. Have you ever thought about having your own podcast show? Um, we thought about it a long, not a podcast, because this is the first time I've ever heard one of these. I think it's really cool. <laughs> no, you uh, really should have uh, one. Oh, I we would were going to do a TV time. show years and years ago. Well, you're not like, I was going to say, you're not like us. Like Bob and I always joke, we've got faces for radio. <laughs> so, uh, <yeah>, <laughs> Thank you. Um, but it is, um, there are some really unique, talented business people in the state of Michigan. I mean, when I, Last year, the speaker at the top workplace was the president of Domino's. All right. Oh, wow. And Which, by the way, Domino's just announced they had a 25% increase third quarter earnings. Well, his stock <laughs> yeah. is up 1,054% yeah. wow. in mm-hmm. four years. All right. Wow. That is just yep. spectacular. But he gave a speech, and it was so powerful to me. A screen came down, and it said, fire the jerks. He went into a 35-minute conversation about attitude, how important it is that you choose the right people in your company because of the attitude they possess. So everything that I had in my head, he was saying, and just saying it far better than I was, <laughs> um, but it was extremely unique. So there are so many companies out there that want their employees to excel and want to be great, and he is one of them without question. So there is many opportunities to talk to some great business owners and leaders who will participate with you for sure who would love to tell their story and have far more insight than I have and far more successful than me um, but it is Michigan has some great leaders I've had opportunity to meet with and spend some time with well, I don't know I think you need your own podcast say, show yeah. really <laughs> so let's go through the process of you know let's for example use Rocky here mm-hmm. and she calls your office and she needs a plan. What's the process? What do you what do you say to her? What do you Michael throw that one to you? Um what's unique about our organization and one of the questions that oftentimes people ask when they call in is what is it going to cost me? 
Okay. And the answer is very simple, is nothing. And that's why a lot of people have never, ever even tried to make that phone call because they think it's going to cost them something just to talk to somebody. Okay. So we believe uh, – I'll use an old quote from uh, – I think it was E.F. Hutton. We do business the old-fashioned way. We earn it. <laughs> so oh. basically we sit down complimentary with individuals. And if you like what you, you see, then you do business with us. If you don't, no harm done, no pressure. You know, if, if it's not a fit, it's not a fit. Okay. So if she were to call in, we, we the first step is just set an informational meeting. And basically it's an information gathering. And, of course, we have different forms we use at our organization um, that we can gather information and find out what your goals and objectives are. And it's usually a pretty casual, easy meeting. You sit down for 45 minutes or an hour um, gathering that information. And then we schedule another meeting after that and uh, usually a couple weeks down the road. And then we'll put together a plan based on that information. Okay. What's also unique about our organization though is the resources that we have. So we have an accounting firm that does taxes for our clients with uh, obviously CPAs that can, mm-hmm. can help you. We have um, attorneys we have relationships with um, that ha- handle a lot of the um, estate planning and elder law for a lot of our clients, um, as well as even an independent home and auto division uh, to help protect your your assets as well. Hmm. And so then if we need to um, touch base with any of those individuals, of course, we always have – it's confidential. Mm-hmm. So we can't share information with anyone without your express permission. And if we get permission to speak with those individuals on your behalf, we will. Okay. And at that point, um, when we have that proposal meeting, if we need to bring some of those parties in, we do. Oftentimes, it's not necessary yet. It's based on that that meeting. Mm-hmm. And then we implement a plan. And that plan can be anything from saving that dollar a day, okay, all the way to um, repositioning millions and millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And really – When you say repositioning, you mean like taking whatever your investments are and invest, deciding if you're going to invest it in something different? Correct. Like, Correct. Reallocating. Reallocating. So it could okay. be anything from someone that's retiring that mm-hmm. needs to roll over their 401k mm-hmm. um, or, you know, in this last downturn, there's a lot of buyouts from a lot of the companies. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of people that lost their jobs and had right. to do something with their existing you know plans. Um, or a lot of the, the stuff we deal with with the retirees are the wealth preservation strategies because with this volatile marketplace – it's not what you make anymore. It's what you keep and what you protect. Right. So we do a lot of that kind of stuff as well. Um, and so we make those recommendations. And, and and really what's nice about our firm too is um, we can deal with anything very small, like we said, a dollar a day, all the way to you know having people that with lots of experience that can mm-hmm. do you know very intricate um, wealth uh, planning and wealth transfer. Um, and we have a Harvard lawyer that we deal with that is very – uh, well-versed in a lot of the uh, more intricate laws and so forth too. Uh, but we can handle any of that stuff. And really, uh, whether it's just one thing you want us to use or whether you want to use our whole services, we, we don't really mm-hmm. care. Uh, and then more importantly, and th- again, what Richard talked about earlier as far as the services are concerned, is we believe in service. You know, What makes us different is a lot of times people put together that plan and that plan fails. Why? Because it's not being monitored. You know, so we make Who sure. does the monitoring? Do you guys do that? We, yeah. So okay. I meet with my clients at mm-hmm. least once a year. And it really depends what position they're in. Sometimes right. it's several times a year. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, I'll give a client a call and they'll say, you know what, everything's good. I don't need to see you, you know, mm-hmm. and everything in between. Um, but we always at least have a reach out, okay? Mm-hmm. And we have newsletters we send our clients, um, you know, emails, if you're signed mm-hmm. up with emails, that kind of stuff. So they get at least are getting some information at all times. Uh, but more importantly, 
you know, we sit at one-on-one face-to-face and we can kind of help you and guide you, answer questions. And if I don't know the answer, uh, I, I have somebody that can answer that for me. Or more importantly, too, a lot of it is just communication. Like I'm mm-hmm. sitting here right now. So if I get a phone call, I'm not answering it. But I have someone at my office that will answer that phone. Right. And so if you have a question, it will get answered. And usually when you're dealing with people's money, they want it right away. Right. You know, and so at that point, they can get an answer. You know, usually, you know, within an hour or minutes, mm-hmm. um, and if not, you know, twenty four hours probably is worst case scenario. Wow! Wow, that is so amazing. Can I make my appointment? So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can sign up right now. <laughs> we both need to sign up right now. Well, uh, go, go back ahead. to your statement. The younger you are, the greater opportunity you have. Right. So okay. don't. So I can start today. <laughs> <laughs> it's so important. Wait, what? The people don't realize the greatest thing in the world is compounding interest and time. So you have that. I don't know how old you are, but you're not. You're pretty darn young. So you got plenty of time. Mm-hmm. All we got to do is use the rules of compounding interest, and you can become a pretty successful person. It's pretty All simple. Right, so let's uh, my yeah. tomorrow. So <laughs> so and you guys are located in Warren, Michigan, right? Yes. And how can people get a hold of you? Uh, there's many different ways. We our our website is um, www. Um, FSA-1.com. Okay, that's our website. Obviously, our, we can. Get, there's eight phone numbers as well. It's 800-977-9292. Uh, check us out on the uh, on the on our um, website and get any information that you want about us. But really, call us and we can set up an appointment and sit down with you one on one. Okay, and that was Financial Services of America, and they do have a great website. So look up the website and the phone number and the location is is all there and they can anybody can call you make an appointment sit down and get a plan together it's never too late no right right? never too late um so let me ask you something richard um does it take money to make money or can anybody become wealthy no that's a good question so i'm gonna answer it differently Anyone can become wealthy. That's not the question. Is is our behavioral patterns going to get us in the position to become wealthy? That's the question. So Wait, you mean it's not all based on buying lottery tickets? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, have a, I teach my people there are three ways to get rich in our country. One, have rich parents, wait for them to die, inherit their money. Tough way of getting it. <laughs> Second is simply is to play the lottery and get extremely, extremely lucky, and that's against you. Third is setting a goal, creating a plan and path, and taking the action necessary to get your goals reached. The third one, of course, is the one that we recommend and we teach our people to do and we teach our clients to do. So, no, it comes down to you making a conscious decision that, no, I'm not going to put it off. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to put a plan together, and I'm going to follow that plan. Mm-hmm. It's the initial mindset of the person changing from being a spender to being a saver. That's why the 401k was so good. It was taken out before you've seen it. Right. So it was easy to save because you didn't have to take and write a check for it, right? Right. So that's why people started to save money. Right. But you have to take it past that. That's not just enough to make you get wealthy. Mm-hmm. You'll be secure. But you've got to save and invest money on your own to get yourself in a position, if you want to use the word wealthy here, mm-hmm. to do that. I wonder if um, – it, it, has there been um, a change or a shift in in the mindset of – most Americans because of what happened, you know, with the economy and everybody losing their jobs, especially in Michigan. Has there been a change? Or, I mean, has your business gone up as far as more people are being prepared so that next time this comes around again, they're not in the same position? We're very lucky. Our company's 
growing every year. Yeah. Uh, because I believe first the service and the mindset we have as a company, but the marketplace has changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. So it has affected the average person who's retiring. There's no longer, oh, I'm just going to put my money in a bank and let it grow. Right. The return on a bank today is 1%. Mm-hmm. Your money's not growing at 1%. You're, after inflation, you've lost money. So no, it's without question, here it's definitely in Michigan, you have to have a plan. If you are retiring and didn't put a plan together, odds are you will run out of money before you die. Wow. So you have to get yourself prepared for that. What we teach the clients and the teacher sales force and our organization is this, is that when you go on a vacation, you plan for that for what, two or three weeks before it, right? Right. And more importantly, you're going to spend more money on that vacation any other time of the week, don't you? Mm-hmm. Or you're going to have a vacation 52 weeks of the year when you retire. So if you are not prepared for it, you'll be amazed on what you'll do to your assets. So you have to have that plan properly put together so you don't find yourself in a position you've made a mistake and run out of capital, all right? And on top of that, we're living so much longer as right. a society, right? Right. My mom's, my wife's mom, it turned 84 two days ago. Wow. Right? So that means my wife, I can't say that until how old she is, she has a long way to go, <laughs> right? Right. So you've got to have a plan to live another, in her life, at least another 30 years. Right. So you have to have a plan for that. And I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it. You can't depend on the government to do that for you. Right. There's no way in the world that they're going to have enough capital to support all of us. So right. what you do for yourself is what's going to determine the lifestyle you have as, as a retiree. You know, it's too bad they don't teach this in high school, it's, though, yeah. or even younger, really. Yeah. I mean... amazes me. Yeah. Yes. I used, I, we teach that in our class, in our company. They, will, they don't teach you the two things, how to be a good parent... And how to make money. The two things that we should be taught for sure, right. we have no one teaching us, right? Right. Just go figure it out on your own. Yeah. So that, yeah, I agree with you. It should be a part of the process. Wow. And uh, we're hopefully that we fix that as a company. That wow. we can teach people. Well, it sounds like a great company and your philosophy is just yeah. amazing. It really is. So if you want to go work for them, you're going to have to go through that interview process. Yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say, guaranteed. you won't let me quit though. So no, I can't <laughs> let you quit. I need you. Sorry. But uh, thank you so much. Um, for joining us today, uh, both Richard and Michael. Thank you guys for taking the time to come out. And uh, I'll tell you what, this is, uh, I mean, it's making me think, I got to, we have to have a plan. Yeah. You know? And I, I, I love the fact that it's, it's more about solving problems, you know? Most people, if you get a flat in your car, what are you going to do? Right. You fix it. Yep. People just don't look at their portfolios right. and evaluate and under, understand the problem they're facing. Once you teach them and then explain to them what they're doing and what's going to happen, they will take the action. The problem is most people won't take that first step. They meet with the planner because they go back to what Michael said. They thought they're going to cost them something. In most right. circumstances, it does. But our process is put together. There is no obligation whatsoever. Our goal is to earn you as a client. And that's our finding. That's by the service we provide you and the education we're going to give you. Right. And also, this is not a service for just wealthy people, rich no. people. This is, Start if you can one. save a dollar a day. Start this, saving it. Yeah, yeah. Start saving it. So, you know, And once you explain to somebody the position that they're in and, and they finally understand the chaos that they're really looking at. I mean, like, do you have, uh, I don't know, bourbon, Xanax <laughs> for them? <laughs> I, I, I assume there's got to be some, like just just some uh, flop sweat that happens at that. Point. Well, it's, you'll be amazed. Once most people realize they have a problem, they are more action oriented than we are. They mm-hmm. well, let's do it now. We can't do it now. We got two more steps to go for you. Yeah. Right? So once they realize that they oh I want a solution, we have to slow the clients down most of the time. And we have a process in place that we want to follow. We want to do our due diligence, make our suitable responsibility. So it is a 
a slow down process most of the time because you you would think that people would not would hesitate. They don't once they see it. Well, they, probably because they realize it's not that difficult once you change the way you think. Right. It's not that difficult. It's not unreachable. And it's just like again, go back to your car. If you get a car, car breaks down, you and I are not open up the hood. I don't, even know, I don't even know if there's a carburetor in my car anymore. I'm going to take to an expert mm-hmm. and have them do it. So right. when you're sitting across from someone like Michael, who is an expert, right. he takes all that responsibility and makes it easier for you to make a decision. That's right. his responsibility, right? Excellent. That's my deal. My mechanic doesn't touch his computer, and I don't touch my car. <laughs> That's your deal. Very smart. I don't touch either. <laughs> but, um, okay, so Financial Services of America, look up their website. They are located in Warren, Michigan. And um, thank you, Richard. Thank you, Michael, for for joining us. Um, closing song. We do. We we have a, usually a sip on this, but Michael said you don't drink, so we decide not to bring it. And <laughs> Dave's here, so um, Dave don't use me. You know, anybody <laughs> you knows you can't use me as an excuse for not I know, drinking. I know. I'm kidding. It's <laughs> a joke. Um, and then we do pick a song. Uh, that we correlate with our our guest, something that represents our guest. And Rocky picked the song today. What song are um, we going to close the show the, with? You get what you give um, by the New Radicals because um, you give so much to your clients and employees. So uh, we figured this would be good. That would be a good song. So good we're going to end it with that. Again, it's Financial Services of America. We will post the link on our page. Uh, so you could just go to our page and get their link and give them a call. It sounds like it's pretty easy. Remember? Yes. Sometimes your only available transportation is a leap of faith. Thanks for taking a leap of faith and happy Wednesday.
This is a previously recorded episode.